to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. Follow me on Instagram, Ask Adam Torres, to keep up with all my book releases, the book tour, book schedule for signing, all that good stuff. Love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to be a co-author of one of my upcoming books, head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. I'm really excited to have Mike Pigeon on the line. He is an executive leader working on building and empowering high-performing teams that transform lives. I'm really excited to get into that. Mike, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, Adam. So, I mean, I can see, you know, as a turnaround specialist, um, let's call you, um, you've done a lot of work with some with some big companies, and you have some big, impressive numbers um, under your belt to what you've been able to accomplish. But we all know that everybody starts somewhere, so you didn't start there. So let's just go back in time a bit and, and just tell me, so how did you get into business? Yeah, so um, the the human service work is really the uh, – the sector, I guess, that I would describe as my uh, last 20 to 30 years of uh, professional work. And I got into this business because I grew up in a family of social workers. My uh, mom and dad were both career parole probation officers uh, in Washington, D.C., and uh, they impressed upon their children to get out in the world and uh, look for people that are struggling and need a hand up and plug in and find a way to help them. So that was ingrained at a very young age, and uh, that's how I ended up uh, in in the helping uh, profession. Wow. So, yeah, and that's, I mean, I I don't get a chance to talk about this that often, but I know growing up in that environment's a little bit different. So my mother, she was a social worker for, I don't know, 40 years plus until before she retired. So um, I do like to think that based on being in that kind of environment, we get a different, We I, I got a different childhood or view of the world and what was going on. Um, let's talk a little bit more about your space. Um, and for some of the people out there listening, let's say that somebody's considering going in, going that route. Um, I mean, what, what should they be doing? Like what's a good way for them to get their kind of feet wet going into that, in, into that sector? Yeah, there's just so many different ways to serve, and I think it really depends on uh, what type of role you want to play in service. My uh, experience is on the behavioral uh, health care uh, space in particular, and I started in direct services, and I moved into administrative uh, and operational work. A lot of it had to do primarily with uh, the sector being really difficult, especially at an entry level, uh, to uh, support yourself, let alone uh, pursuits for uh, for a larger family. So as I uh, enjoyed the work and wanted to stay with it, I had to find my um, my opportunities on the business side of behavioral health care more so than the uh, clinical service delivery side. Mm, got it. And I, I mean, there's this whole trend now, and it's it's kind of interesting to me. Um, and I, I've I've had quite a few guests on mm-hmm. here also that are um, that. They're working really on that, um, on that let's call it uh, social entrepreneur side. So those businesses with a, you know a double bottom line and the idea of what you said is completely right. You may want to help people. You may want to you know get out there and make a difference, but you also may want you may have some personal um, <laughs> goals that you know money. We need money, right? <laughs> and we need we need if you want to raise a family, if you want to do these other things. Traditionally, some of those. 
um, sectors haven't, you know, paid the best, let's say. So some of the more talented individuals or some, of, I shouldn't say that, but some of some people that may want to be in that area, just, you know, they're, they're priced out of being able to do it. Um, what, what do you think about this whole social entrepreneur trend? Have you, do you know much about it? Yes, I, I have dabbled in it enough probably to be dangerous, Adam. I um, I think it's a really fascinating uh, space uh, for for a number of reasons, and and social entrepreneurship is is one of many. Uh, my background in this work evolved with a company that was government funded services for people on Medicaid, Medicare, um, and other uh, types of government assistance at the local, state, and federal uh, levels of funding. Um, and as I moved through it, it was a space that was dominated by not-for-profit businesses. However, most of the time I spent in, in that space was on the for-profit side, and I happened to be with a business that over time uh, grew and scaled uh, through uh, a design uh, that was very decentralized and grew through uh, through uh, a public offering ultimately in the early 2000s, and so it was a business that uh, became traded on NASDAQ. So social services, Medicaid funded, uh, publicly traded is a, a strange uh, and, and uh, kind of interesting uh, animal, if you will. I think uh, what we were able to see on the uh, for-profit side as well as publicly traded was a need for efficiency because there's not a lot of uh, room after you pay your primary cost, which is your workforce in a human service industry, uh, to uh, eke out much of a much of a margin. So, uh, you know, in order to do that, it really required uh, the ability to to drive volume and scale, and that's also very difficult to do in, in a space that's uh, again dominated by not-for-profit businesses, pretty locally transacted and very fragmented across uh, the states in the U.S. Great, and I um, appreciate that insight. I, I figured there were some different layers there that I hadn't considered, and you brought those out. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit more about what you're doing currently. Um, so, you know, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an executive leader and building high-performing teams, I mean, what does that mean? What are some of the projects you're working on right now? Yeah, so... Again, my background was with a company that was publicly traded, and in 2015, we sold the business to another publicly traded health plan in the U.S. We folded 7,000 of our client-facing employees in with 14,000 employees in the health plan. And as you can imagine, in, in uh, both uh, running a 7,000-employee organization and assimilating it into uh, an organization that was twice its size, uh, the management team uh, talents uh, that are required to make that happen, especially when you're spread across almost 30 states and three Canadian provinces, uh, requires a, a lot of communication, a lot of hustle, uh, and a lot of heart. And um, uh, you know, part of part of my success has always been having great people around me. I've often said to people, if I'm ever the smartest person in the room, then I'm in the wrong room. Um, you know, I've, I believe strongly that uh, most most leaders um, that that are really worth their salt uh, have an appreciation for complementing their skill set with others that are capable of doing. Uh, more things much better than they are, they are able to. And if you can bring them all up together in the 
in the form of uh, teamwork, uh, you can really maximize the opportunities to, uh, to accelerate uh, your goals and your outcomes. And so uh, ultimately, that's what I did with the, uh, with the companies I was with in behavioral health care. And uh, it's just something that you ultimately find a lot of transferable skills in. So uh, today I'm doing a fair amount of consulting and advising. I've been involved with uh, some interesting healthcare technology startup platforms, as well as working with private equity and evaluating uh, businesses in the space that I'm most familiar with and uh, helping to both uh, advise and uh, on occasion um, get uh, get involved in uh, the, the due diligence and the um, transition process uh, for businesses that uh, are familiar to me. What are some of the more interesting things you're seeing in your space happen right now? Like, are there any trends or anything that, that you care to comment on? Sure. I think technology, obviously, um, is, uh, is something that we are all uh, experiencing uh, as we do this podcast and we find new ways to communicate and, and to be involved with people without actually being together physically. And healthcare and behavioral healthcare historically has been a very high-touch type of service. As we move into tech and uh, healthcare on the primary care side, uh, with, with more money and, and higher credentials with uh, the doc services that are involved there tend to lead the way in terms of innovation and technology. On the behavioral health care side, we're starting to see that uh, increase and, uh, and catch up with telepsychiatry and telemedicines and services like those. What I'm really uh, fascinated by and getting involved with now is, uh, is businesses. You mentioned um, social um, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, and uh, uh, I was thinking about uh, social impact bonds as well. There's money out there in the private sector uh, that's available to um, good people doing good work for good causes, and a lot of that is moving into technology now, trying to shrink the distance. Uh, and, and in behavioral health care, what that means is allowing for more technology interventions uh, so that people can remotely have their blood pressure monitored or uh, interact with uh, uh, an application on their smartphone that allows them to journal or deal with issues of depression or um, even some uh, attachments to uh, mobile tablets and other things that would allow people to test their blood or their blood pressures, um, for example. But What's never lost in that is the need uh, in terms of behavioral change to, uh, to be in relationship with people. Um, so this combination of technology and human relationship, I think, is really, uh, you know, driving some interesting innovation. Oh, that's great. Well, hey, Mike, um, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, sharing your insights and, and uh, experience and also what you think is going, what's interesting going forward. Um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, um, what, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, I, you know, first would ask them to go to, uh, to LinkedIn. That's probably the place that they'll find me the quickest and, and get uh, the best response uh, from me. I uh, spend a fair amount of time networking on LinkedIn these days. And, uh, and then uh, I can pass on my uh, email address, which uh, is pretty easy to, to remember. It's mysoul, spelled M-Y-S-O-U-L-L-L-C at gmail.com. 
Awesome. Well, hey, Mike, I really, again, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And to the listeners, hope you got a lot out of this. As always, thank you for tuning in. And don't forget, um, head on over to Instagram, ask Adam Torres to check out what's going on with my book releases and all of that good stuff. Have a wonderful day. And thank you again, Mike. Thank you.